It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt. Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus, now co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Monday through Friday. Uh, and we're coming at you with two shows back-to-back for the very first time, I think, actually. We're, we're hitting you with shows on back-to-back days. And uh, we, we had to make sure we got in uh, one of our top uh, – what are we calling y'all these days? I guess the Commanders is, is the name of it now. We we had to bring in the top Commanders guest. <laughs> I uh, I wish so on my uh, on my little soundboard. I have the announcement when Doug Williams went. We are the Commanders, and I don't have my soundboard set up right now. Oh, Otherwise, I would hit you. I can send it to you for Peyton to add in post. There, there we go. Post production. You guys will never be the wiser other than us talking about it here. Obviously, <laughs> uh, but we are joined by a uh, old uh, DFW friend too, Craig Hoffman. He is host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 in DC and uh, co-host of the Take Command podcast, which is uh, one of our sister podcasts uh, here on the Odyssey Podcast Network. Uh, Craig, thanks so much for joining us today. How are things? Uh, things are good, man. I mean, well, commanders-wise, they're terrible, but, you know, I'm doing fine, uh, and it's great to be with you guys. Uh, you know, Brian and I knew each other a little bit when I was in Dallas, so always good to talk to Brian. I actually was t- talking to my co-host, Logan, about you guys the other day, and I was like, I think the first guy that I really, like, understood the importance of film study was Brian Broaddus. So I'm, I was hoping that we could get together. You know, Bobby, we're looking forward to having you, just the way schedules are working on our pod, uh, coming up here in a few days, and so excited to talk to you guys here. So what is the uh, the overarching theme right now for Commanders fans? What are they looking at with this football team? I, I got to tell you, looking at there seems like there's a lot of things to, to take away from this football team right now. I got to say, I'm actually very impressed with the skill players. I, yeah. I, I think they've done a really good job of, of you know, bringing in Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, um, everything that they're doing with Jahan Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel, really shifty, exciting players. At quarterbacks, a little little bit of a work in progress, it feels like. feels like it's been a work in progress for, you know, since Mark Rippon, I guess. Yeah, something like that. I don't even go back that far. I mean, the, the overarching thing, though, right now, guys, is coaching. And, like, that's kind of the big question that we've been talking about is head coaching. Obviously, Ron Rivera has, like, he hasn't had a good year in a long time uh, through two organizations. And he, even though they won the division his first year here, it was a 7-9, and nine, you know, sub-500 division win. Um, which, you know, again, like I know, I know Dallas fans are familiar with some of those over the years too. Like having been down there, I'm not saying that as a shot. Like sometimes that's just the way the division goes, but you still were seven and nine. So he's never had a winning season here. You're going into year three. It feels like the talent is going the wrong direction. The coordinators feel like they're 
not very good to possibly really bad. Um, Del Rio, I think, had a really good week last week, which which kind of saved his bacon after a really bad week two against Detroit. But as as the defense steadied a little bit and just had some plays made on them against Philadelphia, Scott Turner called a pretty rough game uh, for the second week in a row. And you're going, wait a second. Offensively, are they now going to not be able to use all this talent? So it's, it's a really frustrating time because it feels like the organization is just kind of, you know, it's, it's hamster wheeling uh, yet again. And, you know, that also can be attributed to the quarterback thing going back to ripping. Like any place you point outside of those skill position guys you talked about, it feels like the same old, same old when Rivera was supposed to be the fixed guy. Yeah, Craig, if you guys play Sam Howell, you'll win the division. Trust me on that. You know? <laughs> Seriously, that kid could play. You know, when we were working on the draft and you were, you know, talking about watching film and all that, I, I, there was a lot thrown at him. And here I am talking about a, a third-string quarterback right now. But to me, it, it kind of talks about where the commanders are. You know, the talent's there. It, the offensive line, yeah, some train wreck stuff going on there. But the skill players, the tight end, the running backs and all that, I'm thinking if this team just had a quarterback that on third and five wouldn't take a sack, you know, that's – you know, I mean, I've seen Sam Howell play a bunch of North Carolina. When the pick was made, fifth-round pick, I'm going, my gosh. Because I know for a fact that was a guy that the Dallas Cowboys really, really wanted. And it kind of didn't fall the right way for them. But Sam Howell was the guy. And But it, I, my question for you is, and you mentioned the quarterback play, is that the thing that we're going to remember about if Ron Rivera fails – at the commanders, is it they were never able to get the quarterback position solidified? That is certainly the story he will tell himself. Whether that is actually true or not, I think is a different story. Ron is very well respected around the league. Having eyes on him, uh, like I'm not on the beat anymore. And as someone who was a beat reporter, uh, you know, when I left Dallas, I came here to be on the beat covering the commanders. And so being in it every day, I will always have the respect for folks in, you know, Bobby, like yourself, who's an insider, like you're there. I will. I don't have that perspective now, and I haven't the entire time Rivera's been here. I've been in other roles. But from the seat that I sit in, he does not impress me as a head coach. I think he's very surface-level platitudinal. He's good at some of the motivational stuff. He has been able to keep teams together. There are some head coaching things he is good at. But when it comes to building a football team, I don't think he's very good at it. Um, I think their skill position guys have certainly been great. They inherited... Uh, obviously McLaurin, uh, and they did a good job with with some of those guys in their first draft class, but that was also a different guy doing the drafting. Kyle Smith, who's now in Atlanta, was the, the personnel executive in charge of that draft. And so really the last two years since Martin Mayhew's been here and Marty Herney, guys that Rom was more familiar with, I don't think they've done a good job of building the roster. And the other thing that I think is really more defining, Brian, to kind of get to the heart of your question is Rivera is very slow and reactive to everything. He's not proactive. And so a lot of the problems that Washington has had in their two losses, and even that they survived in their win over Jacksonville, which admittedly looks better by the week here. um, These are issues that we all said like, Hey, they've got to sure up corner depth. Hey, do they really have someone in the nickel? Their linebacker play is like, it's gotten better the last couple of weeks, but then defensive line wise on, on the defensive side of the ball, their depth is not any good. Like they have obviously the, the multiple first round picks, but their inability to recognize their own issues and then solve them. 
I think would be the defining thing if it does ultimately go south with Rivera. And I do think quarterback is part of that because they could have been more aggressive in the draft last year. They could have done something more aggressive in the offseason last year. Instead, they decide to go all in on Wentz, a guy who's 29 years old and you know what he is, and he's being exactly the guy he's always been. Is, is you know, Craig, is he a guy that's broken? I see a broken player when I watch him on tape. I, I don't see yeah. a guy that he stands up there on the podium and says all the right things and takes blame for things and responsibility. you got to love him for that. But he looks like a broken player to me. So I won't say I would disagree with the phrase broken. You look, your film acumen is higher than mine. So if you want to change, you know, stay stay true to your opinion. No, I, man, I trust I, your I, I trust your judgment. But yeah. I, I would describe him as flawed, not broken. Okay. Because he's also the guy that threw four touchdowns and can touch uh, four touchdowns, no picks, or sorry, four touchdowns in week one, survived two picks to make a huge throw late in that game to McLaren. He can touch every part of the grass and watching this offense when it's going compared to Heineke and Alex Smith and these guys that could not push the ball down the field or Dwayne Haskins, you know, which is always awkward to talk about now, obviously because of how, what tragically happens with Dwayne, but as a quarterback, like he couldn't read it out. He just wasn't, he never got to that point in his progression in his career. Um, And so when you watch this offense with Carson, there's stuff he does that blows your mind and is going to two, three, maybe even another four touchdown game at some point this season that keeps you in games because you can get back into it like that because he can score from anywhere. But he is a guy that also does not quickly get to check downs. And that's really important in modern NFL offenses, especially when you have the skill position players that can take a two-yard air you know, completion into a 80-yard touchdown like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson, etc., um, he does hold the ball too long in general. Um, he doesn't always read it well. His ball security is an issue. As we saw last week, he had a fumble knocked out on a play where you should never get the ball knocked out because he was holding it two feet from his chest. Right. So like he is flawed and I don't expect him to change. You can still win some amount of games with him. So I would not call him broken, but you know, if you want to say he's broken, then he's not fixable either. So, like, he's flawed, and I don't think their flaws are, are getting any better. You know what, Craig? I mean, I watch him play, and, and the word broken, I mean, maybe his spirit, maybe the the things that you want to say, you know, with the toughness and things like that. I, I, there's things that he does as a quarterback. You're absolutely right and that you go, my gosh, I see why he was selected by the Eagles where he totally. was. You know, and, and by the way, he used to be able to run. And yeah. that's an that's an element to his game that is gone, and it's yeah. really a problem. And I'm terrified of it in this Dallas game after watching Daniel Jones escape so much pressure. Well, that's and that's the thing about you know, when, and I, I watch him and I'm thinking about man, this kid's spirit, everything that they've thrown at him, and he's you know the, how he left Indianapolis basically with you know the ownership going, if you don't get rid of him, I'm getting rid of the general manager and the coach. You right. two are gonna you pay the price for this one. And I kind of wonder the guy has great faith in, you know, in, in his, you know, in his insides and things like that. But then when you watch him, you wonder, is this guy, you say flawed and yeah, there's flaws there, but I wonder about his spirit. I wonder how much more can he take of having success and then at the end of the game, completely falling apart. I will say that I have been, yeah, I hear you. And I think it's a valid observation. I will say listening to him post game, his Wednesday press conference, et cetera. I've actually been pretty impressed with his spirit this year because it was something I had a lot of questions about as well. Um, I, 
I think that he actually has also done a good job of learning how to take ownership, which was a huge problem by the end in Philly. Like sure. Carson Wentz, I was talking about this on my show with uh, with Scott Jackson today uh, when he was in his, his uh, we have a rotating cast of co-hosts and Scott's been doing this a long, long time in the radio world. And I think Scott made a great point. He's like, he says I way more than the head coach does. Rivera right. never takes ownership, which is hilarious because he'll be like, we need to do this. We need to do this. And I'm like, what's this we thing? You're the team president and the head coach. Like you are the we. So sure, say we, but we know it means you. Carson, like they, he got sacked nine times in the last game. And there's play calling issues there. There's offensive line issues there. There were route issues there where guys didn't get out and didn't give him options. And he's like, I have to be better. It's, he, which was also true. There was also Carson, you know, issues in, in nine yeah. sacks. But he took ownership of his part of it. He's like, I need to be better. I need to help this team get better. I got to play better. And I think that ownership and the fact that he's at this point been through so much, I actually don't think he's getting that phased. We're also in week three. If it continues to be really bad, talk to me again the second time we play um, later this year. But I actually have been impressed by that so far. And I do think like, whether you're a religious person or not, and I will admit, I am not a particularly religious sure. person. He is very religious. He right. is a man of right. faith. Yeah. And, and I think that stuff is very real with him that he's like, oh, God's got me and I'm going to be okay. And like, I'm, I'm not in a position hey. to say whether God's got him or not, but if he believes it, that's going to help his spirit, you know? Hey, I remember working in Jacksonville and Mark Burnell was a, a religious guy. And Mark Burnell threw three interceptions one day and Tom Coughlin and him were talking and, Tom goes, you know, Mark goes, well, that was God's will. And Tom fired back at him. God did not want you to throw three interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> he said that to Mark. And Mark just looked at him like, oh, okay. But, yeah, Tom, Todd, Tom, deadpan. God did not want you to throw three interceptions today. I'm just <laughs> you, telling you that. You right. have sinned. Yeah, you have sinned. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you know, uh, Craig, you mentioned the nine sacks there for, for Carson Wentz uh, in the last game against Philadelphia. Um, Dallas, obviously, one of these teams that can bring a lot of pressure. Man, you look at the injury report, it's riddled. I know Charles Leno was uh, apparently just a vet day today, but it was still listed as a shoulder. He didn't practice. Uh, you didn't get uh, Schweitzer, who's a, you know was playing center. Nick Martin, Zach Martin's brother, I know, was playing center uh, at practice today for him. But then you've also got Sam Cosme, who I think has been okay. Uh, he's, he's been okay. He's okay. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. been picked up. Sadiq Charles, who I feel like they've wanted him to kind of take on a larger role. They've kind of been waiting for it. It hasn't clicked for him yet. Uh, he was limited to practice today. How are they going to block this Dallas front? Why you got to ask? I don't get paid enough to answer that question. Um, well, here's what I'm not going to take ownership. So I need. You yeah. To. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, so the strategic side of this, like beyond the bodies, we like we can talk about the bodies. Nick Martin probably plays center of Schweitzer's out. They're going to have to stick with Trey Turner at right guard. Hopefully he plays better. He did miss a ton of camp. Maybe he's rusty. Maybe he's over the hill and just stinks now. It's yeah. possible. Um, you know, I hate saying that about a guy who's been really good throughout his career, but he he might not be a good NFL football player anymore. Um, so the bodies they'll have to figure out based off health. We'll know that later in the week. Um, I'd imagine Cosme plays. Leno's fine. Uh, he could have practiced today, but they're like, you're you're a vet. Like we trust you. You're a vet. It's a vet day. Um, let your shoulder heal up for an extra an extra twenty four hours. Um, and then we'll see. Obviously, with some of those that those depth guys like Charles, um, but strategically they need to stay out of third down um, as much as possible. Our favorite stat 
uh, you know, our, our favorite stats come from Warren Sharp on our podcast. And there's like all these great stats about chunk the plays Brian, and all this kind Brian, of stuff. Brian's dude. Quick detour. Our favorite one ever. We mention it every podcast. If you get a chunk play of 15 yards or more on any drive, you are 55% chances to score. If oh, you yeah. don't, you're 5% chances to score. Yeah, absolutely. It's, which is like the most mind blowing, like, oh yeah, that's how important hey, chunk plays are. Chunk plays are becoming more important than turnovers. The, the, I, the, I believe that yeah. that makes total sense. Teams to me. are winning turning over the ball, but you, I mean, you're a team. Commanders, a commanders did week plays, one. You win games, or you totally. spend chunk plays. You'll win games. Totally, and that's by the way been their problem defensively uh, in the two games they've given up a ton of yardage and a ton of points. Um, but the other favorite thing that Warren said when he came on with us in the preseason was the best way to be good on third down is to never get to third down, and. Is that I think was on full display in those not that nine sack performance by the Eagles is the commanders found themselves in a ton of obvious passing downs. And by the way, it wasn't just third and long, but it was, Hey, the commanders line up in this formation on second and five, and they love to take a shot here. There is one of the sacks where they play action to Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gibson literally runs directly past Fletcher Cox, who doesn't flinch at all because he knows it's play action. He knows it's a shot play and he gets a sack on the play. So you've got to one break tendencies and be better with your play calling, but two stay out of third and long, stay out of obvious passing situations. That way, Michael Parsons has to be aware of a, uh, a you know, a ball carrier potentially going past him. He's got to be aware of where his gap is on run fits, because if you let Parsons and tank Lawrence pin their ears back and go, this offensive line does not have a shot. And it especially is hard because Carson isn't super fond of getting the ball out quickly to checkdowns. Um, so I think there's play calling stuff that that Scott Turner, their offensive coordinator, has to do a really good job of using the screen game and, and getting the yeah. ball out quickly. But like man on man, uh, the answer is they're not going to be in in good shape if the the Cowboys can get them in in obvious passing downs. Hey Craig, real quick though, I'm going to ask you on a defensive question. The one kid that I was impressed with was the corner St. Juice. Yeah. Is, I, I, is there, there's something to his game. There's a little bit of that kind of the, 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 the top, this guy in terms of a dog. I mean, a dog in a good way that yeah. he's got toughness. He's around the ball. He's a willing tackler. I think it's a talented defense and, you know, in the corners, I think are fine. Is he a guy, am I seeing him the right way or is, or am I missing something there? With I mean, so far this year, he's the best corner on the team. Um, okay. Jack William Jackson III has really struggled since he's come over from Cincinnati. He was hurt last week. St. Juice slotted back outside. And that's the thing is like he played well outside last year, but he was obviously a rookie. Like there were some mistakes, right? So he comes back this year and they put him at nickel. And because they have Kendall Fuller, who they don't trust as much in the nickel anymore, he used to be a great nickel corner, now probably better outside. And William Jackson, and they're paying those guys a ton of money. And they don't really have a nickel corner. They started this rookie, Rashad Wild Goose, who's been here two weeks last well, week. He was, he was and, not good. Yeah. yeah, he was not good at all. He had two huge pass interference penalties, and that was basically his impact on the game. Um, so St. Juice, he's got length. He's he's well over six feet tall. He's got really quick feet. He's very intelligent. You saw him running routes for receivers last week. Had a ton of pass breakups. And really, I mean, the uh, next-gen stats had this really great stat on the AJ Brown touchdown that he gave up. There's 0.3 yards of separation. AJ Brown just big bodied him because he's better. And like, but that's a top five receiver in the league that could happen to any corner. And so, yeah, St. Just is, is good. I'm very curious to see, assuming Jackson is back where they use him this week, if they slot him back inside, or even if he's outside in base and then inside against, you know, or in, when they're in nickel, 
Um, but yeah, I, they, he, you are seeing that correctly. He has definitely been a bright spot on a otherwise, uh, very up and down and at times very down defense. Craig Hoffman is the host of the Hoffman show on the team 980 and also co-host of the take command podcast, uh, which is also on the Odyssey podcast network. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. Craig, thank you so much for your time. You got it. Have a good rest of the show, boys. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, uh, before you and I get a chance to, to dive into this Washington Commanders, Washington football team, Washington whatever, uh, I need to give a shout-out to something that we actually enjoy, and that's Boomer Jacks, our, our great sponsor here at Love of the Star. And, and one of my favorite things about Boomer Jacks, besides the ice-cold beer, the wall-to-wall TVs, the live music, the atmosphere, is their deals on wings. It is the spot for wings. And wings and football season, they, they go together hand-in-hand. And uh, at Boomer Jacks on Tuesdays, you can get half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, you can get half-price boneless wings. So whatever your fix is, Boomer Jacks has a deal for you. It is a great spot, whether you need happy hour for your coworkers, you want to go out for a nice night out with the fam, uh, you're, you're looking for a place just to watch a couple games with your buddies, Boomer Jacks is the spot. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours at boomerjacks.com. Brian... We enter this Washington Commanders football team or Washington Commanders football game on Sunday. Uh, Washington, the only team that's below 500. I'm not convinced, and I, I, I spoiler alert, I've already heard you talk about this a little bit, so I know you agree with me. I'm not convinced that Washington is actually the worst team in this division, though. I, you know what, I, um, I think the the Giants, when you look at their skill. It's not as good as the the commanders. Commanders you have look, weapons. You look at their offensive line. I think the Giants have better offensive line. The commanders are, I think, man, at quarterback. I, what I saw with Daniel Jones, he, I mean, he's looked better than Carson Wentz, even though they both make a ton of mistakes. I don't know why I'm even saying that, but, you know, it, it's, it's a really – on defense – this is not going to be an easy game. I don't think I, I, the commanders up front, what you see with them and, you know, with guys like, you know, they don't have Chase Young and and mercifully so. Uh, but Montez Sweat and, and, and those guys, Allen, great. they've John got, they've Allen, got great. some guys that can flat play. Durant, uh, you know, Payne, uh, you know, Jonathan Allen. I mean, they've spent draft capital – uh, Davis, the linebacker, they've spent draft capital on first round defensive players. And I, I don't think this is a bad defense. I don't think it's a bad team. I, what, 
what Craig was Craig Hoffman was talking with us about. I think that he's right about some of the coaching things that go on there. The quarterback situation, I don't think it's great. But to me, this team is a quarterback, a couple of offensive linemen from being a pretty good football team. And the skill, Dallas is going to have some problems if if Carson Wentz gets protected in this game and they use screens and draws and whatever to kind of keep the pass rush slowed down. And he can hit these receivers, and you know, you know, Logan Thomas, the the, yeah. the tight end. They, I'm not trying to be like, oh, the sky is falling, guy. But this is not one of the worst teams I've watched on on tape this year. It really, no, really is. I, I I agree with you. In fact, look, I think Dallas is a better football team. I w- I will pick Dallas to win this football game. Um, but if you tell me. Today, just for the 2022 season, you say, hey, I'll, I'll trade you Washington's skill guys for Dallas's skill guys. I take the trade right now. I, I think I think yeah. Dak working with McKissick and, and Antonio Gibson as the backs. Logan Thomas is a really good tight end. Those receivers, that's a really – I don't know what happened. Like, you know, we talked about Terry McLaurin as one of their only weapons the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They did a, a nice, solid job that when I've watched this game back – I'm like, man, they got some players. Dotson can play. Jahan Dotson can play. Curtis Samuel has been really, really good for them. Terry McLaurin, they haven't even been able to get Terry McLaurin going yet. And he's a guy who, if you ask me today, I'd take Terry McLaurin over CeeDee Lamb as a receiver. And so, to me, they've got really good skill players there. It's just they're missing that quarterback. There, There are times where first drive against Jacksonville. I I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Jacksonville game. Uh, I think it was uh, Dotson, uh, like second play of the game, wide open on the sideline, and Wentz just throws it over his head. And and, and there you see moments like that where it's got to be frustrating for those Washington receivers to have to deal with the ups and downs of Carson Wentz. That's the big problem because Carson Wentz can look great for an entire game, and then the final two drives of the game, he'll – He'll take a sack or he'll throw an interception or he'll drop the ball. You know, it's, it's, it, as a commander's fan, I mean, I understand, I understand what the Eagles fans went with through. And Craig's right. When he got hurt, he became a different player. And I don't know how mentally tough this guy really, really is. I, 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 I respect him though, because I think he's a genuine guy. But, man, there are things that he does during the game as a quarterback that is it's scary. And it's scary yeah. in a way of if you're a fan of the team, you're like, what is he doing, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I if you said, okay, of the two between Cooper Rush and Carson Wentz, you know, Carson Wentz was a high draft pick for, you know, a reason, got hurt, and, then, you know, is not the same. But you would say that Cooper Rush is – you know, it's more steady. It's not yeah. going to make mistakes. And, you know, I mean, we, we we haven't seen the mistakes during the regular season. Now, we've seen things – we've seen him hold the ball and stuff during yeah. uh, during preseason games, and you're like going, well, gosh, I mean, that, that looks awful, you know. And I I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that to me, I, I, this I, is I, not going to – I don't think this is going to be an easy game. I just no. don't think this is going to be one of those games where you walk – and you and you say, oh, it's a home game at noon, and Cowboys are just going to roll them because the the Commanders are this. I 
I think this game is going to be a lot closer than than people think. Yeah, because I mean, I think that, and I think we referenced this last week leading up to the Giants game, where where you and I were both kind of warning a little bit in advance, like, hey, by the way, that that Commanders game, the Commanders aren't a great team, but they have weapons. They have they have weapons that can stress the Dallas defense. Absolutely, and, and it's a matter of which version of Carson Wentz do you get? Because, like you say. The highs are really high and the lows are really low. And I think if you're, if you put Cooper Rush in that offense, I think the steady hand he provides, they'd have a lot of success. It's that bipolar nature of just the play of Carson Wentz that causes them so many play, uh, so many problems. I think Antonio Gibson is an excellent football player, a really underrated football player, and that's a guy I, I, I would give him you know, every day of the week on the Cowboys. Terry McLaurin is a guy who not only is a really good football player, I think is a a really strong leader with that football team. I was watching some of his uh, media availability today, and that is a really smart, um, you know, steady hand for that football team. I, let's talk really quickly about the defensive side of the football. You talk about the type of players they have, and they have great ones. Cowboys are lucky out to miss Chase Young here. Yeah. That, they, they've invested a lot of really – high capital on that defensive line with Montez Sweat and Chase Young as the edge rushers, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen as the interior guys. While those are good football players, do you feel like they should be getting more pressure with that group this year than they are given given the capital that's been spent? I feel like there's not enough pressure for what they've invested there. Yeah, you know, and I think missing Chase has really hurt them because Sweat is capable of of creating pressure. He 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 can do that. Pain. I mean, you see these guys though; they get up the field. They're hard to block at times. And Allen will be tough. Allen's going to be really tough. Yeah, and you you know, I mean, do you feel better like? Farniak having to deal with Allen or, you know, Biotish, you know, I mean, at least Biotish has played, but man, I mean, the tackles, I, I would love to trade the Cowboys defensive tackles. And I know these tackles were all first round guys, Sure, you know, but and then now you have to include John Ridgeway on that defensive tackle <laughs> yeah. list, you know, for the, for the, the commanders. But man, it, when I watched him, I'm like, how is this team not, doing more and I think you're right about the pressure but I I don't think this is going to be an easy game of like oh well hey they're going to be able to run the ball and move these guys and all that I I think I think Holcomb is a really good linebacker run hit linebacker I think Davis Davis has got three sacks for him you know I mean he's the fifth rusher at times I was I was talking to somebody in Washington who told me they're only just now figuring out how to tap into to Jamin Davis. That it, Jamin Davis is a – yeah, and you watch him it, at Kentucky. They wasted a year playing him at Mike. They tried to turn him yes. into a true Mike, and it was yeah. a waste of a no, year. No, no. See, the thing about you watching, though, at Kentucky, because we were you know, we were watching Bohanna, and, yeah. and you're watching Davis make all these tackles at Kentucky, and you're thinking, well, how's he making all these tackles? Because, A, he could run. B, he's physical. But Bohan and those guys weren't letting people get up on that second level. Definitely. And that's the thing with Davis is he has got that ability to rush the passer. And almost like what Michael Parsons does. You yeah. know, when he attacks, he can he can make things happen. So Dallas is to be ready for him as that fifth rusher uh, in this football game. And I, I think that 
it's funny. We've talked so much about teams. The, the consistent thing has been about, man, these vulnerable interiors. We've talked about that every single week, it seems like. And Washington's no different. The interior is pretty vulnerable. I will say that I think this is the week where we're going to run into the most vulnerable group of tackles Dallas has played yet. Um, there, there's a lot of questions about that offensive line. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to protect, but I think, Brian, this might be setting up for just because of the kind of pressure Dallas can bring and because of the the way I think Washington might be able to control the line of scrimmage on defense. Even though there's all these weapons on Washington, I still think this might we might be looking at a game that's close to upper teens, low twenties again. Sure, sure. And, and you know the 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 thing is, you just don't know which Carson Wentz is going to show up, and you do have to worry about them just saying, "Okay, we're going to try and run the ball, but we're going to try and screen. We're going to try and do things to, you know, as the Cowboys try to get up the field in attack, you know." What hurt them last week against the Giants, the screens? They've got guys that are capable of catching the ball. I mean, Gibson can catch. McKissick can catch. they got guys, if Carson Wentz doesn't mess it up, you know, throwing the ball and not getting the ball tipped or, you know, making mistakes, I I worry about them using Dotson, McKissick, Gibson, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, McLaren on the screen. You know, they're using these guys – and all of a sudden, because it's going to be come down to a game where these linebackers, I, I I thought that I thought that Anthony Barr played really well against Cincinnati. I don't know if he played particularly well against the Giants. Van Der Esch, yeah, the same the way. Yeah, yeah th- th- this is this is a group that's going to corners are going to have to react. Safeties are going to have to react. Wilson missed some tackles in space in this last game. I mean, I know he had 11, but he could have had 14, 15 tackles of the ones he missed. So you've got to tackle well in this game. This is not all about pressure and try and mess Carson Wentz up. This is about when the ball goes to one of these skill guys, you rally like they did against Cincinnati, and you get those guys on the ground. We look at a a projection for this game again, Brian. I think we're still looking at low twenties here. Yeah. Uh, Dallas has done a great job uh, keeping these opponents under twenty points. I think this will be the week where the skill players are able to stress them enough uh, to at least score some points. But ultimately, I do think Dallas is the better football team. Uh, so I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys in this one, twenty three to twenty one. Uh, score or or even if you don't have a score what, what's your projected outcome here yeah i i think that, i think you're on to something here i mean i'm looking for now a a defensive turnover that ends up into a touchdown and you know i think the cowboys are good enough to score say 17 points on offense so give me a defensive touchdown or potentially uh you know turpin bringing one back yeah so i, I would say I would say Dallas in the 24 range and then the the commanders probably 20. I think they're going to make them kick some field goals, maybe a couple of touchdowns, you know, who knows? I mean, this the bubble might burst for Cooper Rush this week, you know? I mean, especially with some of the, you know, the way that I I think the commanders can cover. I really really do. I think on the back end when you start to talk about, you know, with Fuller and St. Juice and you know, we'll see if Jackson plays and you know and how that goes. But I think they've got some good safeties. I think it's going to be it's going to be some tough sledding. But I'll say Dallas twenty four, uh, Commanders uh, twenty in this one. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Brian, before we jump into our favorite part of the show, which is the Twitter mailbag, I want to say a quick thank you once again to our sponsor, Boomer Jacks. Wings and football, uh, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. It's the perfect combo, and Boomer Jacks has you hooked up with wing specials during the week. Uh, Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, so whatever your flavor is, Boomer Jacks, as he said, it is the perfect spot for whatever sort of atmosphere you're looking for. If you're looking for a place to watch the game with your buddies, Boomer Jacks is the place. If you're looking for an affordable place to go hang out with your family, have a nice family dinner, Boomer Jacks is the place. If you're looking for a happy hour with the coldest beer you can find, Boomer Jacks is the place. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours at boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, let's take a look at some of these Twitter mailbag questions. Uh, First one from Shelby. Her her question is, can you guys discuss Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, what y'all see slash hear relative to what we can view as progress? In general, are we talking about lack of confidence or still so much on his plate, quote unquote, as Stephen Jones had said recently? Um, Brian, I mean... I was really high on Jalen Tolbert. I know you liked Jalen Tolbert. I, I think I was probably higher on him than you were, though. Um, but but ultimately, this is disappointing. This has been a very disappointing start because I was expecting the Michael Gallup rookie season type of performance, which Gallup had his his lumps along the way, but he was an NFL-ready receiver. He came in, he contributed right away. We're not getting that with Jalen Tolbert right now. No, and by the way, uh, thank you for the question, Shelby, and Reckham. She's a big She's Texas a big Tech Red Raider yeah. fan, so congratulations to you guys yeah. out there. And, yeah, Bobby took the L on that one. Um, you know, I, I think the thing with Tolbert, it it just seemed like to me that every time – man, this was – there were several players at training camp, whether it was, you know, uh, Garibay, the kicker, and here we are, Texas Tech reference there. But it seemed like there were just players, young players that were in camp that every time you thought they were making a little progress, something would happen. They would not make a play. They would not make a kick. They'd not make a catch. They wouldn't get a block. They wouldn't, you know, there was just things going on and on and on. And, and, you know, I thought Tolbert coming in was going to be a plug and play guy. I I saw a really a super productive player there at South Alabama. I saw a guy that went, got the football, attacked it, uh, you know, and, and he, he, he was never afraid to, to go make a play, you know, big plays, always all over the field. And then he was kind of one of those guys that would talk, you know, talk S after. Yeah. I, and, I, and I thought, man, this guy's got some, he's got some moxie to him and some, some dog and some, you know, and some of those things. And I, I just, I haven't seen that, man. He's plays like a meek, soft player right now. Not yep. going to get in the football. That Paul he caught the other day. Cooper Rush threw it in a perfect spot. Run under it. Go get it. Track it. Find it. I can't tell you how many times I saw at South Alabama, you know, him there make a play down the field of catching a ball like that. And I'm I'm thinking it's he's got he's gonna need to get going, but man, you know, three weeks in, they're gonna give him, they're gonna keep giving him shots until he proves everybody wrong. But he needs to find a way to have some success in order for him to continue to dress. Question here from Astute Fanatic. Has there been an internal improvement with Kelvin Joseph being a professional slash more trustworthy? Um, Improvement in the sense that uh, Dallas police have not wanted to talk to him in regards to any crimes, sure. Uh, We haven't run into any of that. If this team trusts him, 
I, I still don't think they're there yet. I, I will say when Diggs went out, it was Calvin Joseph who went in, not Deron Bland. Um, but I, I, I still think that if a corner were to miss a significant amount of time, not just a plug and play, we need you to step in for a sec. I think Deron Bland would get used as a starter ahead of Calvin Joseph. But for the little bit you saw Joseph play, he had the face mask issue. Brian, did you see anything on tape with how you thought he played outside of just the professionalism question? Well, he he plays on special teams, and he's you know one of the flyers outside guys, you know, going down and really, you know, really good of you to call him a flyer and not a gunner. Yeah, I, I knew that if I called him a gunner, you would make a joke, so that's why I called him a flyer. So yeah, but he, you know, that's a you know, it, it seems like special teams is kind of where he's he's you know done some of his better work and. You know, it's a shame they put him in the game the other day. And, you know, he's so sloppy with his technique. You know, he's so grabby. And, and you know, we see it when you watch him in the, you know, when you watch him in training camp and, you know, you watch him in preseason. Game and he's a capable cover guy. There's no question. But his first instinct is to try and grab. Yeah. And when, grab face mask, that's 15 yards, sir. You can't do that. You know, and there's a lot of these Cowboys on defense that got penalties that you go, what the F are you thinking? But Bland to me, I mean, I don't care if Joseph was a second-round pick and Bland was, what, fifth? I I don't care. You know, put the guy out there that's not going to get penalties that you absolutely trust. And I'm getting to the point where I just don't trust Joseph. I just don't trust him right now. And maybe he's another guy that needs to play with a little bit more confidence. But every time you feel like he's going the right direction, he'll get hurt or something will happen and he has to miss. So give me Bland because I've seen Bland battle. I've seen him battle in the slot. I've seen him battle outside. I've seen him make plays. I've seen him make tackles. Now, Joseph's made tackles on special teams and stuff like that. But but as far as the coverage, if they put a guy out there, I don't need a guy getting a 15-yard face masking penalty. You know, you're you're a big LSU guy. Uh, you you have connections to that program. That was a program that that Kelvin Joseph was ushered out of. What were some of the things you heard about Kelvin Joseph when he was coming out? The number one thing was he's not always in trouble, but trouble is within arm's length. That's what I knew about. You know, they were talking about he's a good kid, but he had times where they wouldn't know where he would be. He'd be gone for two or three days, you know, and he had that in his music career and all that. And, you know, so he was probably involved in those things, but yeah, the biggest thing they said to me was good kid, but he's not in trouble, but trouble is always within arm's length. That's exactly what they told me before he got drafted. And it's, it's played out that way so far in his NFL career. It seems like a question here from Jake Carson Wentz on Sunday over under three turnovers against the Cowboys. I'll go under because this Cowboys team is as good as the defense has been. They're, they're still looking to be as opportunistic as they were last year. The, the turnovers- Gosh, dang, Bobby Diggs could have had three interceptions in that game the other night. Hey, he could have, he, he was, he was close. Uh, but Dan even talked about goes right through his hands. The, the last play he made was a really a beautiful interception, but he had three opportunities to make interceptions in that game. And only Are you paying over? Are you going to give him the over on three turnovers? Um, I'm going to say – I'll say over on three turnovers because I think, wow. I think he'll throw a pick and I think he'll have two pocket breakdowns. How about that? There we go. All right, all right. Brian brought us. Say it with your chest. That I will say that D- 
Diggs is getting really close. I think we're getting close to another run where Diggs is going to have like, you know, he could have three. He could have three interceptions. And there was that one, and Dan Quinn talked about it. He's like, I know you guys saw it too. And we were watching from the press box. It looked like when he was charging, that one that went through his hands, that was as I saw it developing, I was like, that's a pick six. He's scoring. Mm-hmm. They, it, it looked like he was going to be there. But but so far, uh, remember, we're going to have to keep count this year, Brian, as to Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs' interceptions. Yeah, my, my man Brown needs to get off the snide a little bit, yeah. Your bold prediction was Anthony Brown would have uh, more picks than, than Trayvon Diggs, so we still yeah. got to fight for that. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Angel Torres. We've talked a little bit about this, uh, but I'll be honest, Brian, you rode the fence a little bit, so, so I'm going to need you to come off the fence. What happens when Tyron Smith returns healthy and ahead of schedule? I don't think they put him back in there now. I don't. Who, who would let, let, Let's say they decide to put him back in. Does that put Tyler Smith? Let, let's uh, operate under the assumption, Brian, Tyron Smith comes back healthy and they want to put him in. Does that put Tyler Smith to the bench? Do they move Tyler Smith to right tackle? Do they move Tyron to right tackle? Do they move Tyler to left guard and put Peters back in the bench? Let's operate under the assumption he does come back. How, what what combo do you think they'd get him back on the field with? Jason Peters, in my whole scouting life, I saw him play tackle, left tackle. Last week was the first time that I had ever seen him play guard. Mm-hmm. And I that shows you what they think about Tyler Smith playing left tackle. Yep. The fact that they didn't move Tyler Smith to guard and play Jason Peters at tackle – tells me that they're probably not interested in putting Tyron Smith back in there at right tackle. I think they're, I think as long as Tyler Smith can hold the job and, you know, he's going to have some bumps along the way. We've seen a few of them. Sure. You're, you're seeing the future play left tackle now. And let's, I mean, you, you saw Tyron Smith today, right? Didn't you see him in the locker room? Yeah. yeah he, 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 which Tyron's never in the locker, like even yeah. when he's healthy. Uh, but yeah, it was the first time we saw him today. He was he, he walked into Wasn't the locker room, around or anything, or smiling, and he said hello to the reporters as he walked by them. He initiated, which is super rare from Tyron Smith. But then he came in, sat next to Tyler Biotish at his locker, talked to him for a little bit. No limping around. Didn't have anything wrapped around his leg. I didn't see any braces or anything. Are you thinking so, sooner than later here now? Then I don't know. Maybe who who knows? They're, they're so cagey with the details about injuries. It's. It's hard. Well, we talked about that. We talked about that today on on uh, Cowboys break, and then uh, you know, and then we also talked about it on our show on 105.3. And I think a lot of it has to do the injury information is because of what Jerry Jones does, you know, and sure. his his selling of hopium. And then like when Dak goes down, you're standing there like you know, and Jerry's trying to give you a timeline, and you're trying to kind of get all the information what's wrong. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, Dak will be back sooner, sooner, sooner. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe Dak needs more time. You know, it's just, it's really, it's chaos. And you got a head coach. I don't think wants to talk about injuries, but he knows he has a general manager that talks about injuries twice a week on the radio and then talks about injuries in the post game. So he's having to deal with that, but that's what the problem is. I think the trainers and the players have a different idea of what the injuries are. I think the owner gets information, but he also sells you hopium is what he does. And I think the head coach is like, well, we need to think about, and the head coach is very mindful. He wasn't going to make Dalton Schultz play in that game if Dalton Schultz wasn't ready to play. He wasn't going to make Michael Gallup play in that game if he wasn't. You know, let's be honest, though. The whole idea to keep Michael Gallup off pup, remember that whole thing? 
It yeah. was all about that. Keep him off pup. Keep him off pup. And what they do, they kept him off pup. How many games is he going to miss? You know, he's he's going to come back for the fourth game. So, you know, that's – I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, they maybe they bought a week. You know, maybe they bought that week for – but this head coach isn't going to make these players come back if they don't want to play. He's just not going to do that. And that's one of the things everybody respects about him. By the way, I do have to give the head coach some credit. I think he's working this year. I think he's working on trying to help Kellen Moore. I think he's trying to work on the game plan. I think he's working on suggestions. You know, I think he's showing confidence in his team, you know, with going forward on the fourth and two, fourth and four, you know, telling Kellen Moore have two plays ready. I've been very critical of Mike McCarthy because I thought he was extremely lazy, you know, but it looks like to me that he's, he's, he's done a much better job of, of, being around when he needs to be around and, and being a leader for his team. The hot seat will make people do crazy things. Right? So. You know, all right. Well, that does it for us. Can I answer your question? I didn't think you that. Did. I, you did. I, no, you, you got it. You got it. But, I, but I want to say this though. I have yet to be right about the offensive line and how they're going to, how they play it. I really, I haven't. Well, I, haven't. I mean, you think of best five, their best five don't match my, your best five or my best five. So, there's a lot of going on right here. A lot of going on. A lot of questions still to answer about this offensive line, about the return of your quarterback, about uh, you know what's going to happen after this game against the Commanders. Uh, we will be back on Monday with you guys with all of our thoughts on, on the most recent game and where things are headed after that. Until Monday, we will talk to you later, and rest in peace, Julia. <laughs>